Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. Today is the day that we have been working towards all month long. We have been in this series called Murmuration, where we have been talking about generosity and what it means for us as a people to be a truly generous church, to be a truly generous people that give of everything that we have and all that we are. And today is the day of what we're calling the big give. <laughs> the big give. Every dime, every penny, every bit of money that we collect in today's offering is going to go to Movement Portland and Sam and Kelsey Wake. They are church planters down in Portland who are getting ready to start this church. Their launch is coming up here really soon. And Sam and Kelsey have been living in Portland for the past few years, past couple of years, trying to create a new church, a church that is going to make a difference in the city of Portland with a lot of the same values and vision and dreams that we here at United have a vision of and a vision for. And so today we're collecting all of our offering to go directly to them. We're just going to give it all away. Every last ounce of that offering goes to them today. We have talked a lot in this series about what it means for us to be a generous people. We have talked about making an impact we have talked about what we can do as people and as humans, as individuals, to make an impact in the world around us. We have talked about what it looks like for us to create change through our generosity. We have talked about doing provocative things in the name of love as a church, as a community, as a people. And ultimately, I am really, really proud of us as a church. I'm really proud of the things that we have done with our generosity throughout the course of the time that we have been together as a people. And today, I want us to flex that muscle even more. I want us to flex that muscle so that we too can have a lasting impact, not just in Seattle, but down in Portland as well. What it might look like for us to flex that muscle and to make a difference. I, I, I'm not sure you know this. I kind of try and keep track of this as much as possible, but we are 19 months old as a church. That's it. 19 months old. Just for a little bit of context, I want to show you what a 19-month-old looks like. That's my daughter, Elliot, who is now seven, four months, but this is her at 19 months old. This is us, right? This is us. You can kind of see she has a few teeth, right? She's got like six, I think, at that point, and snot running down her nose, and she's got like no hair or a little bit of hair kind of thing, right? Like this is 19 months old. This is who we are at this moment as a church. I think it's hard for us to remember that. Right? It's hard for us to remember that, especially those of us who have been a part of churches before. We have moved into this city or we have been a part of other churches around the neighborhood or around the city. And we come in here and we're like, oh, we should be like this. Not recognizing that we're still a little baby that can barely walk. 
I mean, she could walk, right, with a hand, and I'm not sure she could run at that point. Um, and if she did, she probably just fell right on her face, right? It's, it's development. It's growth. It's change. It's transformation. And this is where we are as a church. And I think we can lose sight of that. And so this gives us perspective that we are 19 months old as a church, Now, how churches get started, how these things pop up, how they happen is not just you all and not just people in the city and in the neighborhood, but it comes from a collection of people from around the country and literally around the world. I'm not sure you know this, but we are a church that is supported by other churches. We are a church that is supported by other individuals. Everything that we do here is because someone else gave generously from what they have and from who they are. Uh, we, we have a woman named Frances who gives $15 every single month. Every single month. She's an older woman, an older lady, and she gives $15 a month to make this thing happen. There's a widow named Ron who also gives $15 a month to make this church possible. We have farmers, uh, Clinton and Debbie give, farmers in the middle of the country who give money to make this church happen. We have widows and widowers, farmers and retired school teachers, missionaries that, are, that have lived in Spain, the Dominican Republic, Cambodia, churches in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Illinois and Texas and Oregon and Alaska and Idaho and even right here in Seattle that give money to make this thing possible, to make what it is that we do possible. In fact, one of the churches uh, is down in the Houston, Texas area. And that church in Houston, Texas, they actually give out of, uh, they gave in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. In, In the middle of Hurricane Harvey, they had a massive choice to make. Will we still give or will we not? (laughs) Poor sweetie. Will we give or will we stop? And in the midst of that, in the midst of Hurricane Harvey, as their church was literally flooded out, feet of water, feet of water in their building, everything completely laid waste to, having to figure out what they were going to do to move forward, they said, we're still going to give to United. We're still going to maintain that commitment to this church. In the midst of massive devastation, as people in their own community and in their own church had lost everything, they said, we're still going to give. We're still going to do this thing. We as a church sit as a part of this amazing legacy of other churches and other Christians, other people around this country and around this world who have chosen to give, not just out of their own generosity and not only out of a sense of their own commitment, but in their belief in us, their belief in you, their belief in what it is that is possible here because of us. There are people in Florida and Missouri and Illinois and California and Wisconsin and Minnesota and Indiana and Michigan and beyond who have given to make this thing possible. We are here, 
We are in this room today together because of them. They have made this possible for us. Our existence was dependent upon them coming together and not only praying for us, but giving generously that we might exist. And I think we're creating a really remarkable community here as a church, as a people. I think we're creating not only something remarkable, but something that they are very proud of. Something they can say, yes, the things that you are doing in Seattle, the things that you are doing to create this community, we love that. We support that, and we are with you in that. You see, we as a church were founded upon an ethic of love. This is the whole basis, the whole foundation by which we were planted, by which we started this thing, was this ethic of love, an idea that if we put into practice, if we put this ethic of love into practice, we could actually show our neighbors, we could actually show our friends, we could show our community something different, something that more closely resembles the Jesus of Scripture than their experiences in the past. And for us, Galatians chapter 5 is a foundational text for us and what this looks like for us in putting this ethic of love into practice. This is what Galatians chapter 5 says, starting in verse 13. For you were called to freedom. Brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, serve one another humbly, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Live by the Spirit, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. We were founded upon this ethic of love. But what's beautiful about this passage is the very beginning part, you were called to freedom. And as you kind of piece the whole thing together, that freedom that we were called to is a freedom to love each other and to love others without limit, to give all of ourselves and all that we have to one another, to press forward and to push out from this ethic of love that truly transforms and changes people's lives, that draw people in and together in a boundless network of mutual love, of mutual affection, of mutual care. There's a reason why our motto is you'll never walk alone. It's a hard motto to live up to. It's a hard idea. It's something that we will fail at over and over and over again, but yet at the same time, it is something that we are committed to because of this ethic of love, because of this thing that pulls us together and surrounds us and wraps around us, that we would pour ourselves out for others completely and wholly. UnitedChurch.love, our website, is a reminder of this. 
Every time that we enter in that URL to go find something on the website, that is a reminder to us that we were founded upon this ethic of love, this commandment that the entirety of the scriptures hang upon. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. Everything is summed up in you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the command. This is the ethic by which we live. This is the ethic by which we act. This is the ethic by which we move and press forward into our neighborhood with our neighbors surrounding us. We are growing in this. We are growing in this idea, in this ethic of love that surrounds us. We're constantly attempting new things and trying new ways of being the church that loves one another, that cares for one another, and extends ourselves outward in care and love for each other. We're growing in this, and Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 are the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits by which we should be known is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. There are no buts. That's what I love about this. There is no law against such things. There are no buts. The fruit of the Spirit is love, but nope, there's no but. The, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, but nope, no buts. There are no buts in this law. There are no buts against the fruit of the Spirit. I love this word generosity that is found in the midst of it. Generosity is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's one of the fruit, it's one of the ways in which we as a people should be known. And this is one of the things that we are growing in. I love how the word is translated in various translations. And in some translations, like in the NIV and the New American Standard Version, it's translated as goodness. That generosity is actually goodness. But in older translations, like the Revised Standard Version, it's all about generosity. That goodness is actually this outpouring of self into others. That it creates goodness around us. That generosity is about creating beyond us. And what generosity does is it creates connection. It creates connection between people and draws us in together that generosity has the ability to expand our worldview and our ideas and our understandings, that generosity is the work of love. Generosity is putting love in action. Generosity pushes us beyond ourselves. It was Matt Ridley in a TED Talk who said this. He said, circles can kill us. We surround ourselves and circle ourselves and become inbred culturally and physically until we dry up and wither away. Generosity can break us free from the cultural ghetto and break through the circles. Uh, generosity has, we, we, we as a people have a tendency to huddle up. 
In fact, that's what Sunday mornings are, are they not? It's us as a people huddling up together to say, we're in this thing together. We're a part of this mission together, this mission of God together, this mission of pushing forward love in the name of Jesus everywhere we go. We do that together, and we are spurned forth from here to set out. However, oftentimes we can encircle ourselves up so much that all we care about is one another and not actually looking out beyond. We, in the way, in the words of Matt Ridley, become inbred culturally and physically until we dry up and wither away. But generosity forces us to look outside of ourselves Generosity forces us to look beyond the circles of who we are as a people. And it forces us to see the stories and the words and the life of people around us in different ways and in beautiful ways. Generosity pushes us beyond ourselves. You see, generosity is freedom. This whole passage of Galatians chapter 5 is about freedom. And generosity helps propel us into freedom. It's a freedom from the limits of the world, the, the world that says we can only have so much, that there's only so much for everyone. And you have to just kind of grab and hold and create a circle around yourself of all of your things. Then you hold tightly to that and you pull it in. Generosity says, no, there's a different way of seeing the world. A world that creates a free exchange with one another, that pushes out to meet needs and show love in different ways through our finances, through our resources, through ourselves, everything that we have. This is generosity. And I want us to continue to be this kind of church, a church that is generous, that gives and gives and gives and gives. I want us to flex our muscle in this. I want us to give to one another here in this room, but I want us to give to one another outside of this room. That's kind of what we do. That's kind of what we are becoming known for in certain circles and in certain places is the generosity that we have towards one another. I want us to flex our muscles and get a little bit stronger at pushing the weight of generosity as a church. And Cornell West put it this way. He said that in the end, your life will not be measured by what you have, but by the fruit you bear in others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The life you live, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control, and the kind of love that you have, a love that pours out joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. These are the ways in which God pushes us forth and says, this is the fruit that I want you to bear in the world around you. This is the life that I want you to lead. This is the legacy that I want you to have as a people, as a people that are known for their love, their joy, their peace, their patience, their kindness, their generosity, their goodness, their faithfulness, their self-control. This is the legacy that we get to leave as a church and as a people, not only here, in this room, with one another, but with the world around us, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our coworkers, with those whom we meet on the street and those we see day in and day out. 
And even those strangers, those single-serving friends, those people that we just see once, leaving them with a taste of love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. These are the things that God calls us to. I believe that it's time for us as a church to start doing some really provocative things in the name of love. It's time for us as a church to be as provocative as possible in the name of love around us. This past week, I was in Kansas City at a, the International Conference on Missions. People from all over the world coming together that are not only missionaries, but people that are doing the work of the church in their own countries, all coming and descended on Kansas City, Missouri. Kind of weird, right? That Kansas City is the place where all of these missionaries from around the world descended. Sure. It's because it's a second tier city and everything's cheaper there. That's why. <laughs> Be a much more expensive conference in a Seattle or a New York or a Chicago, right? So all of them descended together. And as I was talking with people, as I was having conversations with them, a lot of the conversations revolved around how the church has stopped being as loving as it should be that we have started to build these walls around us and that we have not done the things that God has called us to be and do, that we need to be more provocative in how we love others, that we need to take this idea of love to the furthest extent possible. Because remember, there are no buts in the law against love. There are no but this. A friend of mine whom I was talking to said, you know, uh, he was a missionary in Scotland for a time and now works to uh, help build the church in Scotland. Uh, he lives in Florida now. And he was telling me, he said, you know, at the end of the day, when I stand before God, when I stand before Jesus, I don't want him to look at me and say, you or he said, I would be okay if God said to me, you loved too much. He said, I don't think God would ever say that to me, that you loved too much. That you did things that were against my law, because there are no things against the law of God if we love. That we should be pushing the boundaries of our understanding of love everywhere we go, with whomever we are with at all times. We should be pushing against the walls that we are erecting for ourselves at the church, tumbling them down, pushing them over, and saying, we will love everyone. There is no law against this love. That we should be those people, that we should live in that way. We are 19 months old as a church. 19 months. That's it. And we have a huge opportunity in front of us. We have a huge opportunity before us, presented in front of us, that we get to do and be differently. That opportunity is simply movement Portland at the moment. That we get to give to them, that we get to make a difference for them, that the things that we are talking about, about loving others, of living out of this ethic of love here and now, 
that they too will be able to do that in Portland. As all of the people around the country and around the world that have been giving to us, saying, go, be, do that stuff, be those kinds of people, we have an opportunity as a church to say that to Portland as well. To, to Sam and Kelsey, to say, be that church, that ethic of love that you are talking about, that you want to be. We want to bless you and give to you and send you with that. This is the crux of who you are. And so you can do that today. UnitedChurch.live, as you scroll down all the way towards the bottom, that's where we do our online giving. Again, we don't collect an offering on Sundays, and usually we don't pass a basket. We don't do checks. We don't do cash kind of thing. It's all digital. It's all online. So you can just scroll down there, and whatever is given today goes straight to them. We'll be giving them a, a gift. Sam will be here on December 1st as we kick off our Advent series, as we kick off the season of Advent. Sam will be here to speak that morning and to tell us some of the beautiful things that they are doing, some of the work that they are involved in down in Portland as they express this ethic of love. And we're just going to surprise them with a check of whatever it is that we collect today. And it'll be this really beautiful celebration. Tracy and I had a similar experience. When we first moved to San Francisco to plant a church there in the downtown area of the city, we had a church down in San Diego that said, hey, we want you to come down and just, just hang out with us. Speak talk, do whatever, but just be with us. And so we came and we showed up and all of a sudden this brand new church, a church that was about our age right now, said, here's a check for $4,000. What? <laughs> you guys aren't old enough for that. Like, I can't believe it. You have given more than some churches that are 50 years old, 20 years old, 10 years old. It was unbelievable, one of the most amazing experiences of my life of seeing and receiving the generosity of a people that had no reason to be generous to us. I want us to be that same sort of people, that same type of church that gives generously with who we are and what we have. And so this is our opportunity. You can do it throughout the course of the day, but basically today is the day. And whatever we collect today goes to them, and we'll give them that check on, on December 1st and surprise them. And you will also find out the total on the exact same day, which would be kind of fun, right? Ah. Anticipation. Which is Advent. Advent's all about anticipation. So I'm going to start it early for us as a church. Anyhow, <laughs> let us be those types of people. Let us be a people who live out of this ethic of love, who live out of this sense of generosity and gives and gives and gives because there is no but. There are no buts to the level and the type of love and generosity that we give. Let us pray. God, thank you for your son, and thank you for the work that he has done in our lives and for us. Father, may we continue to be a people that follow hard after you, that listen and attempt to produce the types of fruit of the Spirit that you call us to be. Let us have that in front of us always, this ethic of love, this ethic of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May that be the mark of us as a church and the mark on our lives. Father, we lift these things up to you in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.